Today's SWAPA number is 3,025. That's the total number of aircraft mechanics and related professionals at Southwest Airlines, which are represented by the Aircraft Mechanics Fraternal Association. AMFA and SWAPA have worked closely together over the last few years to help one another out during contract negotiations. So on today's show, we spoke with Scott King, National Safety and Standards Director for AMFA, about maintenance issues, AMFA's focuses, and how pilots and mechanics can best work together. Circle State all three, turn left, heading 140, runway 22 left, clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff, 22 left, left turn, 140, southwest I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman, and here's our interview with Scott. So Scott, welcome to the show. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a background on what you do for AMFA specifically? I'll just go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, I went to high school here in Dallas. I graduated in 1986 and I went to Skyline High School. It's actually where I started my aviation career, so to speak. Went to uh, Tarrant County Junior College, finished up my AMP license. And then uh, my first major airline that I ever went to work for was Pan Am. Uh, yeah, I'm aging myself a little bit, but that was uh, 1989. I was there a very short while. Um, I actually got out of there before they went bankrupt, fully bankrupt. Um, worked at Delta for just shy of 20 years, uh, as, uh, at most of that time at DFW. And when they reduced that base and closed it down, uh, bounced around the industry for a little bit. Spent a short time across the field over here at Gulfstream, and then uh, finally landed my dream job here at Southwest, uh, April 1st, 2009. And been here ever since. Uh, became involved in the union probably around 2013, 2014, and then 2016 came into national office. So I am the National Safety and Standards Director. I cover the entire United States and Canada now. I help oversee all of our locals. We have five different locals currently in their safety and standards realm. When you talk about five locals, is that how AMFA is organized? Is it one national with five? Uh, what are the five locals? So the five locals that we currently have, I'll start numerically. Local 4, which is based in Chicago. Local 11, which is based here in Dallas. Local 14, based in Seattle. Local 18, based in Houston and Local 32 based in Phoenix. The last one, Local 32, has the unique position of covering two different airlines within its local. It covers, uh, I wanna say 17 different stations. So it's pretty expansive with that local, but among those locals, we cover Southwest Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Horizon Airlines, Sun Country Airlines, just recently Spirit Airlines, and then in Canada, we cover L3 Harris. They're a uh, contractor for the military. And all those are in Phoenix or is everything else just Southwest or how does that even split up? So uh, Local 18 is all Southwest. Local 11 is all Southwest. Local 4 is all Southwest. Local 14 is uh, all Alaska Airlines. And then Local 32 has Southwest and Alaska Airlines. Okay. Uh, Spirit and Sun Country have yet to be put into locals. They're in the, uh, we're in the very beginning stages of getting their contract done and starting negotiations with those uh, respective companies. 
So my, I, I have a question. How do you balance those sort of local versus national issues? I know you said some of them are Southwest specific, but how do you, how do you balance those two? So a lot of times, I'll just give a for instance, uh, when I, I get contacted from uh, SWAPO, I figure out what city and what local would handle that. So what are some national issues then that would be larger? Good question. So we have an ASAP program just like the pilots do. I oversee that program as well. That's each airline specific, but we have a very good, robust ASAP program here at Southwest. We have a good working relationship with the FAA and the ASAP issues can take you all over the country. So just recently, we had a couple of ASAPs that were very similar in nature between Southwest and Alaska Airlines. So my spidey sense, so to speak, went off and I thought, well, maybe we had an aircraft issue. We had an equipment issue. After getting both of our ASAP representatives together along with myself and we talked to all the specifics of the incidents, uh, we come to find out that they were human factor incidents and it was just coincidental, but it was very, very eerie to uh, see the similar situations that happened at the same time. So uh, national being able to reach in between these different locals and resolve that and verify that it wasn't a, a manufacturer issue or an equipment issue turned out to be a very positive thing. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I would think that, you know, obviously Southwest being the 737 experts, uh, having access to Southwest and then Alaska, who if, if anybody else were experts, it would be Alaska with the 737 up there in Seattle. To have both of those sort of operating under one organization has to be very beneficial for identifying some of these uh, aircraft specific issues. Oh, yes. And we trade information just on a very macro level, you know, but there's lessons learned between each system. So it's a very positive thing. So SWAPA and AMFA have had a pretty close relationship throughout our existence. What would you say about the relationship between the mechanics and the pilots? I would say overall, it's very positive. So far as we're 737 based, we've got the world's best pilots for the 737. I believe also we got the world's best mechanics. One example of that where I saw that to really come to light was when we had the MAX issue and we were meeting, I think about once a month back then. And you could see the level of experience and the expertise in the room and trading that information and seeing things from every perspective was really positive experience. Scott, tell us a little bit about a, a typical day in the life of a mechanic. What's a typical duty day? How many days a week or a month? How many hours a day? What's typical? I'll just uh, take a line mechanic, for example. Uh, days and evening shift line mechanics work eight hours a day, five days a week. Very days off. Typical day for them will be uh, tire and brake changes and then handling any gate calls. It can be anything from avionics equipment to coffee makers to tires and brakes. On our graveyard shift guys, they all work 10-hour shifts, four nights a week, and they handle more of the heavy loads. So they will do more of the scheduled maintenance and the more in-depth troubleshooting and, and longer task that that are required every airplane's looked at at least uh, by a mechanic at least every three days i believe it is right now in addition to daily walk arounds and things like that in the hangar world there's really not a typical day in the life uh, you may come in one evening 
and work on a heavy structures project uh doing aircraft modifications um, there's uh, always something uh challenging to do there we currently do four lines of heavy maintenance here in dallas uh, and then we have line operations all over the united states all of our mechanics are well versed in the 737 so that's the best thing we got going for us is that we're able to maintain that expertise in one type of aircraft. So that's the typical mechanic schedule. Uh, a thing that we're dealing with a lot on the pilot side, of course, is reassignments and JAs. Uh, is that a, a factor for the mechanics? Are they getting a lot of unscheduled duties? It, it comes with the territory, uh, especially in the line environment, um, because it, the, let's just say... Uh, they're sent out to the airplane to do their schedule checks and then whatever you find as a result of inspecting the airplane. Um, I'll, I'll just use this for an example. During the spring, especially, is lightning strike. Uh, we get a real big uh, spring weather lightning strike um, phenomenon, I guess is the way to put it. And with the number of flights that this airline operates, uh, just a, a fact of life, so to speak. So you'll see that lightning strike inspection and logbook entries go up, especially in the spring. And so far as unscheduled maintenance, that's, that's a huge challenge to address. Do we still fly airplanes down to San Salvador for maintenance? Yes, we do. And... What's AMFA's position on that? Is that a scope issue for you or safety? Or It's a scope issue, definitely. Um, it's always been a safety concern because of outsourcing work outside the country. We try to focus uh, on our legislative realm of things. We try to focus on that safety aspect of that. We want to maintain the exact same standard abroad as is here in the United States. So we have legislatively, we have been pushing for a drug testing standard. Currently, the uh, vendor in El Salvador does have uh, testing standards, but it's still, uh, it's still concerning at times. That letter of agreement, what, is that between uh, them and the company? Yes. Okay. So it, it's a scope issue, but it's not in violation. Is it in violation of your contract or is that? No, uh, no it's allowed? within the contract. It was, uh, it was negotiated at the last contract to not exceed, I want to say eight lines, uh, in El Salvador or any foreign, uh, repair station. And is that something that AMFA would like to see brought back in house? Yes, absolutely. Um, just from the aspect of contractually employing more uh, mechanics here at Southwest, but also uh, from the safety standpoint. Your aspect or your angle is mostly safety, but something that is front and center to our pilots right now is contract negotiations. Uh, where is AMFA in the negotiating cycle? So our contract becomes amendable in August of 2024, and we can open up our negotiations one year before. So right now we're in the very beginning stages of getting out the word to get contract proposals in. That's all handled through each local, and then it'll collectively come together at a national level via our airline representatives. 
So we have four in the Southwest system. So last time SWAPA's uh, contract negotiations were open at the same time as AMFA's. Mm -hmm. And so we did a lot of collaboration on that. And it was pretty contentious for us, but I know it was kind of even worse for y'all. What are you feeling like it's going to be this time around? There hasn't been a whole lot of talk, (laughs) quite frankly. Um, We're hoping for the best, uh, as always. I'm not really privy to a lot of that until towards the end of the process based on our council, our frontline guys, our, our four airline representatives. We've got four very good ones right now. And in addition to the contract proposals and things like that, they also handle all the grievances and arbitrations throughout the system. So they meet weekly and discuss their issues. There's a lot of cross communication between all of them. And we'll uh, just be prepared for getting the process started and and hopefully uh, not have a length of negotiation that we had last time. How long was it? I think ours was four and a half years or so. It was even longer for you last time, wasn't it? Six and a half years. Oh, gosh. Approximately. Wow. And you don't open until, you said, August August of next year. 23? Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk a little bit about that. That's something that I find interesting. You've got line mechanics. You've got hangar mechanics. Uh, What other sort of groups do you have to account for? And and is it really that different as far as negotiating work rules or contract provisions for them? So under our main contract, we cover all the mechanics, whether they be line or hangar, back shop mechanics as well, our ground support equipment mechanics. Uh, The technical instructors are included in that contract, as well as our maintenance control folks. Uh, We have separate contracts for our appearance technicians, which they just, they're in the process of sewing up their contract, so to speak, for this mm-hmm. next period. And facilities maintenance technicians, they are under a different contract as well. And they are in the process of uh, starting their negotiations right now. So we have a lot going on at AMFA. Also, the work group for Alaska Airlines is getting ready to open their contract negotiations as well. It doesn't sound like everybody at AMFA is an A&P, though. It sounds like you have various levels. Correct. So under our our contract right now, the only positions we have right now that don't require an A&P license would be our ground support equipment technicians and uh, appearance technicians. But there are avenues for either one of those work groups to become A&Ps. Uh, We have an apprenticeship program. So once you get a license and you don't have the experience requirement, you can enter into the apprenticeship program, which is uh, 18 months long. And then once you successfully complete that, then you can bid into the system and become a uh, mechanic anywhere in the system. There's an opening. So in terms of your contracts, is there something that you you already know is going to be sort of a front runner for you in terms of things that have to be improved? Well, that's where we're unique in the uh, associations that represent mechanics because it's up to our membership to submit for those proposals. Then those proposals are prioritized once they're submitted. So uh, it's truly a uh, it's one of the things I love about AMFA. It's truly a bottom-up organization. Uh, the member holds the most power. 
I like the fact you brought up the bottom-up sort of process to get to what your contract asks are. That's exactly the process that SWAPA went through with our SEP survey educate polls uh, process that resulted in this rewrite that we're working on today. So it's it's another way that AMFA and SWAPA, I think, are very similar. Yeah, we, we like to listen to our members and then represent what they ask. So another thing that we probably or at least uh, have in common are the operational issues that are going on, that have gone on basically from really 2019 when the MAX was grounded all the way through the pandemic and, and now the, the recovery. Uh, speak to us about that. Tell us uh, how is it from the mechanic viewpoint as far as the, the operation? Starting with that MAX and then going into the pandemic, there was a lot of panic going on there. A lot of guys took, uh, they had extended leave options and uh, early retirement options and things like that. Now that we have demand coming back, we're, we're very shorthanded. A lot of overtime in our ranks and a lot of pressures. And this is what I always remind guys of uh, when I do station visits is, I know we're under a lot of pressure, but we've got to maintain our level of professionalism and our level of safety. We can't be shortcutting things. It's just too much at risk. And it's just a constant pressure nowadays. They, they cannot find enough qualified mechanics to meet what they want for their experience requirements. In addition to that, AMFA is involved with the Aviation Technical Education Council. And that's a uh, membership of Part 147 A&P schools. And we're seeing the challenges there firsthand of being able to produce enough mechanics for the years to come. Uh, the last, what they call a pipeline report that was put out in the near term, by 2026, we're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40,000 mechanics shy of what we need for just demand in the United States. Worldwide, I, I want to say that number was around 150,000. So there's a lot of big challenges that lie ahead for us, as well as the pilot shortage. Everybody knows about that as well. So the demand is coming back, but we're having challenges meeting that demand. And it's a good time to be in the field because there's a lot of demand for it. But it will remain to be seen how we're able to address those operational challenges. So in terms of Southwest specifically, because I know they have a very uh, progressive schedule for hiring of pilots in 2023, do you know what the numbers are for mechanics or their intent? Uh, I cannot remember what the intent was. I know they were looking for the year 2022. I believe this was back in July. They said they wanted another 400 or so by the end of the year. I don't know. I haven't seen anything on if we were able to meet that demand number yet. Do you know roughly how many uh, mechanics are at Southwest right now? I know we have about 10,000 pilots. How does that compare? I want to say... The last number I looked at was somewhere around 3,000. Now that includes uh, mechanics, inspectors, maintenance control, appearance technicians, uh, GSE technicians, plant maintenance technicians as well. Are there any other sort of operational issues that you guys are seeing that are, are kind of coming to light? I know you talked about, but are, that are very specific, like specific plane issues or something that's sort of a standard that you're seeing more often than you were before? I would say our greatest challenge still as of today is uh, maintenance. It's uh, <laughs> MXI. <laughs> I hear Kurt laugh there. He's yeah. heard this before. Yes. Um, 
it's supposed to be the intent of maintenance was to make us more compliant and had better tracking of our uh, compliance issues but it's it's had its challenges and uh i believe lufthansa is the only other or one of the other major airlines that uses it and they've been using it for about seven or eight years now i believe and there's it's it's still a lot of growing pains so to speak so we've had it in in place for over a year and a half now i believe and it's getting better but i think the company as well as the mechanics would have hoped that it would have gotten a little better by or a little more user friendly by now is that a program that um they bought wholesale from another yes i don't know what the different i'm not privy to all the different levels of it but from talking to the guys um i believe they could have expanded on it a little more and been a little more user friendly but that just hasn't been the case scott enough about the contract Talk directly to the pilots listening to this podcast a little bit about uh, interactions with mechanics and and what they should know when they're talking to a guy that comes up uh, when they call a mechanic to the flight deck. Know that bar mechanics put themselves under a lot of pressure. They always want to do the job the best they can and get that job completed and get that airplane back in the air as soon as possible. So they, they do put themselves under a lot of pressure. In addition to, you know, all of our time constraints and our scheduling uh, challenges that we have, that they fully know and understand that airplane's got to get in the air so we can all be profitable. At the same time, you got to balance that with the safety aspect. You got to make sure that the uh, I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and everything's done to ensure that we're providing a safe product. This is kind of a sticky topic, but tell us about some issues you've seen between pilots and mechanics. Periodically, we have issues between mechanics and pilots. Boils down to usually communication. Either I have reached out to John or John John Ross, your professional standards chairman, reaches out to me. And we're able to find out the backstory, uh, like I like to say. Uh, John finds out the backstory on his side. I find out the backstory on our side. Or sometimes our local uh, professional standards chairman handle it. And we're able to get people to take a pause and reflect a little bit. And then calmer heads prevail. And we're able to get down to what the issue was. And nine, nine times out of ten, it's just basic communication. We've talked to John Ross in the past and he said, you know, we have interdepartmental discussions and things, but you're the first time that we've actually heard that from the other side. Yeah. That that's a, that's a program that you would highly recommend. Absolutely. Professional standards. I I always encourage it. I always encourage it with the mechanics. If they have issues, not just between themselves, but with other departments, we don't want management involved. Not to say that they can't handle it, but usually they're of the position that somebody's got to get fired. And I don't want to see, AMFA definitely doesn't want to see anyone lose their job. And it's better for a peer-to-peer review and a peer-to-peer resolution to come about. And we can just let management stay over there and do their thing. 
Scott, having worked with Swapa now for several years, uh, I've seen plenty of AMFA mechanics out on the picket line with pilots out there supporting us as we've worked towards contract negotiations. So let's turn that around and let me ask you, how can pilots support AMFA and support our mechanics? So let me answer that with saying that what can AMFA do for your pilots? Uh, in addition to maintaining our aircraft in the highest standards, we will always be there for you, especially through this challenging contract negotiation time that you have right now. We know that SWAPO will be there for us when 2024 comes around. So we've always appreciated the dedication that SWAPO has shown towards us, and we will always reciprocate that. Our thanks to Scott for being on the show today. We appreciate him taking the time to come in and talk with us. And as always, we'd like your feedback. If you have any podcast ideas we have not yet covered or any SMEs you'd like to hear from, please let us know at com at swapa.org. Finally, today's bonus number is five. That's the number of local associations AMFA has within its ranks. They cover five different carriers, including Southwest Airlines, Spirit, Sun Country, Alaska, and Horizon, as well as L3 Harris out of Canada. While AMFA and SWAP are organized very differently, we have more similarities than differences. And one of those that comes to the top, as you can see from this podcast, is that we put our membership first. That's 523, 23, clear to land. Thank you, Southwest 1223, clear to land.